Chris Woodward, you're a joke. Your team is a joke. So here's Lane Kiffin hatching this brilliant idea. Burn, baby, burn. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the Slightly Sideways podcast, episode six. I am your host, Koenig, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Corbin. Say hello to the people, Corbin. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in for episode six. And we have a very fun show planned for our listeners tonight. We have a flashback episode of sorts that I think everyone will enjoy. But before we get into the show, we do like to have a few drinks during the program. We think it keeps us loose, keeps the mood of the show light and unfiltered, so to speak. So on my end, in a glass that I stole from Colin's Irish Pub in Flagstaff, <laughs> I have some Montucky cold snacks. This has kind of been my go-to drink as of late, the official unofficial beer of Montana. It's a, a very refreshing and light summer drink, so give it a shot next time you see it at the local market. We're not sponsored by Montucky, by the way, but, you know, someday, maybe, you never know. Corbin, what are you drinking during the show tonight? I've got a little bit of a mixed bag. So last week I was drinking some Heineken and had a couple left over. So I kind of threw it into the Coleman cooler. But I went ahead and picked up one of my favorites, some Bud Light Lime. Very refreshing, very easy to drink. So I'm kind of drinking a little bit of this, a little bit of that when it comes to Bud Light Lime and Heineken. Very nice. So before we get into the stories on today's program, if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter at Slightly Sideway. If you're on Facebook, you can like our Facebook page at Slightly Sideways Podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, you can email us your thoughts to slightlysidewayspod at gmail.com. And if you are on YouTube, you can find our YouTube channel at Slightly Sideways Podcast with new episodes containing visual references coming to that channel very soon. We will also have exclusive episodes and footage only found on YouTube, again, coming very soon. So stay tuned to the channel for that. We did want to take a brief moment at the top of our program to acknowledge the protests from professional athletes across all major sports here in the United States. While we won't dive into the politics of the situation or whether or not we agree with the actions of the players, we did want to recognize and appreciate this widespread demand for social justice. Whether or not you agree with what the players are doing, I hope we can all come together as Americans and expect a higher standard of social justice and equality in this country we all call home. Very well said, and as as Koenig kind of alluded to there, there's a lot going on that's actually been affecting sports this past couple days here that have kind of affected topics that we wanted to talk about. There's greater matters at hand that's going on right now within within this time frame, so we wanted to respect what's going on in the world culturally and wanted to focus our efforts actually on a different type of show for today. We actually had a lot of viewers that had emailed in that kind of wanted to know the background story between me and Koenig, kind of how we came to meet, express our fandom, if you will, and kind of how we grew as friends, which ultimately kind of came through our relation, or it did come through our relationship at NAU. So we kind of wanted to give you our experience as well as some fun stories that we had while going to school, going to sporting events. So it should be very entertaining for you folks today. It's definitely a crazy story. I mean, we've done so much over the years and, you know, we probably won't be able to get into a deep dive into everything that we've done. You know, we'll probably tease some of our stories in future episodes. There's no chance we can touch on all of it in this one podcast, but it is something a little bit different. 
it's something that is obviously sports related it kind of is what drew us to be close friends and ultimately what you know breeded our friendship and then also you know this podcast wouldn't wouldn't have happened without this backstory so we do have some really fun and entertaining stories from our time as undergrads at nau corbin why don't you go ahead and kick us off what do we have yeah, so as far as jumping right into it for kind of our NAU experience, we kind of got together as friends through a club called the Jack Pack for pretty much everybody out there who does not know what the Jack Pack is. It was essentially like the student-run fan group. You know, you'd go to games and sit in the student section and we'd have like Jack Pack shirts just kind of supporting the teams for NAU, whether it be football or basketball or, you know, lesser sports like volleyball, soccer, not that they're lesser sports, but they would have less attendance than the major sports were. So we were kind of there to kind of jump in and just motivate the student population to go to more and more games. Yeah, for sure. And there was something, and maybe this was because it's like our first college experience and involved in a student-run organization like this, but there was something so fun about having just a group of people who had common interests in sports, and it didn't really matter whether we were at a football game or a basketball game getting bossed by Damian Lillard in our school cafeteria or, you know, going to a women's soccer game on a like Tuesday night just randomly or, you know, checking out the volleyball team. It was so much more than sports. And that's kind of what brought all of us closer together is, yes, we were there to kind of share in our enjoyment of NAU athletics, but it was also just about being a part of something that's bigger than just you as an individual perfectly explained and the first instance that we kind of had together and we actually didn't know each other until a little bit after this is every year nau usually schedules either asu or u of a or or better yet u of a and asu schedule nau for their football schedule (laughs) pretty much a beat-up game where nau will go down to either tempe or tucson and get crushed because they're playing a much more elite opponents and get a game check for it. So they'll make money out of it and then take that money and use it in their program, whichever way they can. But anyhow, our freshman year, we were playing ASU in Tempe. And so the NAU was running a program like, Hey, for the students, if you want to pay $25, that'll cover your bus down to Tempe as well as your ticket. So $25 all in ride and game is all taken care of. So Again, I didn't know Koenig, he didn't know me, but I jumped all over it, as so did he. And, of course, you know, $25 for a bus and a ticket, you don't get the best ticket in the world. So we were upper deck kind of shoved in the corner of Sun Devil Stadium, which, whatever. You know, I I was just happy to be amongst other NAU fans because for my entire life leading up to it, I had been an ASU fan, a hardcore ASU fan. So... When I started going to NAU, I switched my allegiance and was very, very much an NAU fan. And so, Kanye, do you want to kind of take over from there, pick up where I'm leaving off at? Yeah, so this was really, I mean, we got onto campus in August, I'm pretty sure. But for all intents and purposes, this was our first college experience as far as extracurriculars or anything like that. They had dorm organized experiences, which were <laughs> kind of lame, but... Uh, This is our first sporting event, and I have always been a sports fan. I've been a passionate sports fan pretty much once I could comprehend what sports were. I've loved everything about it. And so when there was an opportunity to go to ASU and watch the NAU game, it was a no-brainer for me. And again, like Corbin said, I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. But we just were all about it, going to the same place. 
and we're up in the corner of the stadium watching the NAU game and it was fun you know to be I love being on the road there's something about being on the road and wearing the opposing team's colors that just I find it so satisfying to be in someone else's stadium it's it's the absolute best (laughs) and even though NAU there was no expectation that we were going to beat Arizona State just to be there with other fans and making a ruckus I enjoyed that so we're watching the football game and we're getting our teeth kicked in by Arizona State deservedly so they're a much much better program in every aspect and there was one moment in the game that Corbin and I both remember very vividly. It was the only time I've seen this happen in all of my years watching sports, and that says something. Me too. I have not seen it since then, and still to this day, it blows my mind. We were talking about this last night. We were kind of going over a couple notes for the show today, last night, and we were saying, do you remember that situation when NAU punted on third down against ASU? And it caught me so far off guard because I'm like, I'm so dialed into the game. I'm watching it so closely and I see us run our special teams out there and I'm like, I swear to God, it's third down. And I'm looking at the scoreboard. I'm like, okay, third down. I'm looking at the chain gang. I'm like, okay, the stick show third down. And I'm like kind of looking all over the place for answers. (laughs) Corbin, where, where were you at during this moment? Yeah, so just to reiterate, again, for people who maybe missed it, NAU punted on third down. Now, albeit it was a third and long, and they had the ball kind of deep in their own territory. I think they were within their own 20-yard line, so they still had a lot of field to go. And, well, it wasn't the punt team. They, I think it was the quarterback who lined up, and then right before they snapped the ball, the quarterback went back into like a punting position, and oh, yeah, you're right. I thought it was going to be some weird gimmicky play, like a, I, I don't know, some kind of weird throw or la- who, who knows what they were going to do. I thought they were just going to pull the strings out because there was no way they're going to win that game. There's 0% chance they were going to win that game. And sure enough, the guy snaps the ball and kicks it and punts it on third down. And what's the crazy thing, and, and this kind of set the expectation for NAU sports in general, is me and Koenig are, of course, like up in arms. I remember seeing him uh-huh. reacting like, what the fuck? Because he sat pretty dang near me. We were either in the same row or he was one row in front of me, but he was only four or five people down away from me. I vividly remember seeing him very close to me. And they punt. And the only people that seem to react to it are me and Koenig. We're just <laughs> both like hands in the air, like shoulders shrugged, like, what the fuck? I I thought it was a mistake. I thought like, okay, they forgot to change the down marker on the scoreboard. But then again, like Koenig said, I looked down to the chains on the field and saw that it was definitely third down. And so that kind of set the expectation right there with NAU that they never really took winning seriously. And and we'll kind of get to that in more detail here in just a little bit. But again, something that I have never seen to this day And I have more notes on that here in a little bit, but the crazy thing about that game is, yes, we, we weren't close to winning, but we didn't get like destroyed. We lost 30 to 13, which, okay, we lost by 17, which is three scores, but all things considered like a, you know, a a pack at the time they were pack 10, they weren't pack 12 yet, a pack 10 school versus an FCS school like NAU playing in the big sky conference. That's not, 
that terrible. Like, to only lose by 17, you see these FCS teams lose by, like, 40, 50 points sometimes. So, yeah, it wasn't the greatest performance, but it wasn't like we were getting so stomped that we had to punt on a third down. (laughs) Right. And I know we've talked about this on other episodes, but I think it's also worth noting, this is a money game for NAU. NAU specifically goes on the road and they play these games against these Power 5 teams because they get paid to do so, and so much of their success as a program relies on the fact that they get this money, and this is part of the reason why some of these FCS programs weren't holding fall sports. Once some of the Power 5 conferences decided that they weren't going to have these non-conference games, well, that completely eliminates these Division 1 AA programs from having those money games, having those games that their program rely on so heavily. What kind of drives me nuts is, like you said, these are games that you're expected to lose. You're expected to get trounced. So the whole idea behind the punting on third down, I actually went to a coach's luncheon the following whatever day. I think it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday after the game. And the head coach had explained and said, well... We were deep in our own territory, and we probably weren't going to pick up the first down on that third down play. So we figured we'd try to catch him off guard and punt it while they didn't have a return man back there, which I guess makes some sense if you think about it. Like, yeah, they can't return a punt if there's nobody back to return it because it's third down. Um, (laughs) But that was his reasoning. And again, the culture at NAU was just very like, like nobody really seemed to mind too much when they would fail or have mediocrity like me and Koenig and and other people in the Jack pack who followed it closely enough would be like devastated by it. But nobody else really seemed to care. Like you'd lose a game. Like we lost to to ASU that day. And like, I expected to lose. So I, I knew better. I wasn't devastated, but I was upset because you know, they lost and I wanted them to win. But yeah, there's people that were just kind of like, eh, whatever, got a $25 trip to Tempe for it. They, you know, it's kind of the culture of NAU. Yeah. And, you know, you, you'd hear fans on like the bus ride home, like, you know, well, we actually scored 13 points. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. And I'm up in arms over it, you know, because I'm such a competitive asshole that like, I want to win every game. And so I don't care that we're playing a Pac-10 team like ASU at the time. I didn't care. I wanted to win the game, and especially the fact that you're punting on third down. You're basically conceding defeat before the game is even over. That's the way it felt to me, anyways. The one thing I'll say is, when we were at NAU, we were always hopefully optimistic. We always we always hoped that like we would win, and we were optimistic that we would win, when in reality... We definitely did not have the talent to consistently win. So we did set ourselves up for devastation far often than we should have. But that was just the fans in us. And I knew that we were very, very similar because we both had the same mindset where we expected to win, even though on paper it wasn't maybe realistic. But we would be devastated if they didn't. And we were the kind of fans that even if we would win – we would still find a way to kind of criticize the game. Like, oh yeah, well we won, but we could have done this, this, and this better. So we were never like fully satisfied, which probably isn't the best thing in the world, but we were so analytical on our teams that we would get together before games in like the middle of the week on like a Wednesday and be like, okay, what do we got to do to win this game this week? And we would <laughs> we'd be like mapping out this game plan well, I think if we can limit them to 100 yards or less rushing, that we'll end up winning this game and just just going into these really weird, bizarre situations. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely vividly remember those times. And But even before then, we come off the loss to ASU, whatever. So then we go to the first home game, and I don't know exactly who it was. It's probably against, like, New Mexico Highlands or some ridiculous school that we schedule the first home game every year. So we have a, a team that we can beat up pretty badly. And this is kind of like our first instance quote unquote hanging out not like as friends but like we're both standing in the first row of the jack pack on the 50 yard line you know we showed up like half an hour before the game and that's the seats that we got that's that, <laughs> that shows you how interested nau is in athletics so we would not to interrupt you there but we would literally the doors would open for the sky dome where nau plays their football games that's the stadium the doors would open for the sky dome i'm, I'm pretty sure like an hour early like an hour before kickoff and we would look down at our watch and be like, oh, well, we got like a couple minutes. So we'd be tailgating and we'd finish our drinks or whatever. Just casually meander over to the door. No line, no students like waiting to get in. Nothing like you see at these major programs and walk right in willy nilly. Again, no rush. I mean, I could, you know, you could make a sandwich as you're walking down to your seats. Boom. Front row, 50-yard line. Just no effort. Just as long as you went in when the doors opened or around kind of that time, you were guaranteed front row, 50-yard line. It was, I mean, I loved it because it was just like we were guaranteed the best seats in the house every single game, but nowhere near like it is at other schools. Yeah, no, completely. And so we're kind of like moseying on in, you know, we're, there's like a pregame tailgate or something like that. Again, Corbin and I, I might've looked over at him like, Hey, I remember you from Tempe, but we weren't hitting it off or anything. And so we go to the game and I end up standing next to him. We're standing in the front row at the 50 yard line. And so even then we're just kind of like enjoying the game as fans. If you've ever seen that Buffalo Wild Wings commercial where the two guys are just yucking it up watching the game and they're like high-fiving and chest bumping and stuff like that and the guy leaves like, all right, see you later next week, man. And the guy's like, who is that? Or his wife says, who is that? And the guy's like, oh, him? I don't know. <laughs> that, that was that was like who Corbin and I were during the first game of the year. That's the perfect way to explain it, without a doubt. I had already knew from the ASU game because I had seen kind of his reactions and he was reacting the same way that I was. And, you know, we're awkward freshmen, right? I am pretty outgoing, but I was a little timid out of the gates at NAU. You know, I want to be too in people's faces as far as like, be my friend and like, you know, kind of like get, you know, just, I don't know. There's just something about like making friends right off the bat in college. It's a little bit difficult. And it wasn't soon after that. I mean, that game kind of solidified it. And then I think we ended up both going to like a like an NAU volleyball game soon after that. And then that's where we had more of a, okay, we're not in this really loud screaming environment. And we actually like got to talk and know each other. And then, of course, we found out that we were both part of the Jack Pack, which was the student-run athletic organization to go to all these games. And... So it kind of blossomed from there, and we pretty much went to every single possible sporting event that we could together. So we went to every single football game, every single basketball game, whether it was men's or women's. We would go to women's soccer games, women's volleyball games, pretty much everything with the exception of golf and track and field and tennis, which was kind of, I think that was kind of like there's no golf course at NAU, so they played yeah. at some Flagstaff course. So. Pretty much any event that we could go to on campus, we did. 
you want to kind of elaborate on some of the characters that oh. we met in the Jackpack game? So as you can imagine, a university that doesn't particularly put a lot of emphasis in sports, we have passionate fans, but we don't necessarily have the super cream of the crop knowledgeable sports fans that some of the major programs have. And they're all a bunch of characters. And we got to know a few of them, you know, just after a couple weeks at NAU, we went to a few sporting events, like Corbin said, and he and I obviously hit it off because we were so invested into it. Even at volleyball, we didn't necessarily care so much about the game. And I think that's why we were able to talk a lot more just about other stuff. I think we were still talking about the football game at the, <laughs> at the volleyball match, we're kind of breaking it down and going into the analytics and everything. But we got to know some of the people who were upperclassmen who were kind of in charge of things. And one of the first guys I ever remember meeting outside of Corbin was a guy by the name of Reevee. And we'll just, we all call him Reevee, just like everybody all calls me Koenig. I don't, yeah, that's the only way that we know how to, <laughs> how to mention him. But His he, full name is Mike Reevee. Yes. I, I would assume Michael Reevee, but we, we call him Reevee. So he's one of these types, and he was a cool guy. He was super into NAU, obviously. He'd been there at least four or five years by the time we got there. But he was such a huge fan, kind of like we are, obviously. You're in a student-run organization where not a lot of people care about sports, but he did. And I think that's what kind of drew me to him. And he was just kind of like a guy in his early or mid-20s, and I'm like an 18-year-old kid, like his pet monkey or something, just kind of <laughs> like rolling behind him. Well, so he, Reevee had formed the Jack Pack with another of his friends named Tom Smith, who we're going to have a couple stories on Tom Smith here in this segment that are just mind-blowing, but they're so funny, and I hope people enjoy them. And so... These guys had created the Jack Pack, so they were obviously passionate about it, and they wanted people to get into it, and people like me and Koenig were into it, so we fit right in, so we got along with these guys just great. The people who were way into the Jack Pack were freaks and geeks. Like, Koenig was the geek, I was a freak, like, you were one or the other, or you were both, and... There was other people in the Jack Pack. Adam McFarlane was another one that we'll mention as far as the story. And Nate Moeller is another one that we'll mention as far as the story. There are others that are involved as well, but I don't want to give too many names without association of a story. So I want to kind of limit it right now. So if people are listening and they're upset that I didn't mention them, then we'll find a way to get you into another episode somewhere. I want to start off with Tom Smith, if we could. Katie, yeah. you think it's a good starting point as far as... I just want to give a background on these people that we were hanging out with and these experiences that we had because of these people, because I think it's very entertaining. Yeah, it's very relevant. It really threw us into the fire for our college experience. I was a super straight-edge kid, and some people might even say I'm still pretty straight-edge. I, I was going to say, what do you mean, was? <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably true. Obviously, when I'm fresh out of high school, and I'm very convinced I'm going to have a career in criminal justice, and fortunately for me, that's a career that I'm still involved in, and so I'm anti-drugs, anti-underage drinking, anti-you know all these things, and Tom is very much pro-drinking, and this is kind of... Albeit Tom is of legal drinking age, yes. so he's he's not like a minor or anything, and he's not. I mean, maybe he was on drugs. I don't know. <laughs> but like, for he might have been. I mean, 
he did have a drinking problem at points in his life, and I don't want to elaborate on that because I know people suffer with that, but it kind of adds to the story, so we'll yes. have Kane to kind of continue with this. So I believe we're going to our second ASU game. This would have been our junior year. So at this point, we're all... Well, I think I'm of drinking age. I think Corbin is like 20 years old. And we go down to Tempe, and we have, we're driving down, we're kind of caravanning down, Reeby's got a car, Corbin's got a car, and we're all strolling into Tempe. We've got a crew of like, I don't know, seven or eight people, and the plan is, so we're, we're loaded, right? We're bringing down a whole bunch of alcohol, we're going to tailgate, we're going to party. We're thinking that we're going to party so hard that we actually booked a hotel room on Mill Avenue, which is where Arizona State is, and... So we have a hotel room booked, so we're going to go to this game, we're going to get trash, we're going to have a good time, we're probably going to get our ass kicked in the game, but we don't care. And so just kind of set the stage a little bit. I remember my wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time, Hannah, she was so upset because I was convinced I was not going to drink at all until I was of legal drinking age. Again, super straight edge kid, did not want any part of it until this incident. So... <laughs> We're driving down, we're about a quarter block away from our hotel, and I think we're on walkie-talkies or something like that, and we get a walkie from Adam McFarlane, and totally serious, because this guy is a total airhead, he goes, hey, uh, the MapQuest says, because we used MapQuest back then, there was no Google Maps, so he says, the MapQuest says, you know, the hotel is right around the corner, do you guys see it? And we're like, uh, Adam, it's right there on the other side of the light that we're stopped at. <laughs> you know, so we unload our cooler at the time, I don't think we had a Coleman cooler, unfortunately, but I think we had like an igloo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we roll it into the hotel room, I think the guys had a spot, and I think the women had their own room, obviously. And we're kind of just yucking it up before the game. You know, we got there plenty early, I remember. And Adam convinced me to drink a Sam Adams, which was my first exposure to alcohol with the Jack Pack and in general. Ooh. And I had told Hannah, too. She was pissed. She was like, I tried to drink you to drink alcohol so many times, and you said no. And so she's kind of, you know, razzing me a little bit that I caved to peer pressure from Adam McFarlane. <laughs> So, so we settle in at the hotel, and you have a couple of like little pre-drinks, and we got there really early. I think the game was at 6 or 7 o'clock at night, because you know these games are in like August, September, which is still really hot in Arizona. So those games that are early in the season are usually scheduled pretty late at night, because it's, you, know, you don't want to be sitting in 110-degree weather while you're watching a football game. It's miserable. So we got there super early, checked into our hotel, and then... They used to have, it's no longer there anymore, but they used to have a really big parking lot where fans would go and they would tailgate and then they'd walk across the street and, go, and then go to the games. And so we were ready to go. We had jello shots. We had beer. We had just about everything you can, we had shots. Like we were ready to go, right? We knew that we weren't going to win. I mean, let's get real. I never went to an ASU or U of A game against NAU with the expectation that NAU was going to win, but... I always went in with the expectation to have fun. So I figured, well, we're not going to win. So we might as well just get turned and live it up. <laughs> and I'm not 21 yet. I'm 20. And Koenig, I think, like you mentioned, I think you were. I was I 20. I turned 21 in October and this game was in oh. August. Okay, fair enough. So we were both underage by the law standards. <laughs> yeah. So 
we're there, and I'll give credit to Kanan because he was drinking a little bit. I was getting turned. I was doing jello shots and yucking it up with ASU fans, and just I was just having the time of my life. And apparently, so were a few of our friends that we were there with, a uh, Mr. Tom Smith in particular. So again, we're pre-gaming. We're just and the nice thing, I mean. Not entirely, because there are some ASU fans that are dicks to opposing fans, no matter who you are. But for the most part, ASU fans kind of see NAU fans as like, oh, like the cute little brother. Like you have no chance of ever winning, but like you're not our rival. You're not U of A. So they're kind of buddy buddy for the most part. So I had, you know, I had like ASU fans give me beers and stuff and just, you know, just kind of yuck it up. And we're having fun. We're having a good time. Right. And so. Eventually, it comes a time where we got to go into the stadium, and our group would always go in right when the gates would open because we'd like to watch our team warm up and yell out to some of the players on the field to wave at them and maybe call them over to the sideline to talk to them for a little bit. You know, whatever, just just pregame shenanigans. So we're walking to the stadium, and we think to ourselves, oh, you know, it'd be really great. It'd be a brilliant idea if we walked through the ASU student section, like right by it. That'd be really funny with all our NAU stuff. Let's walk by them and taunt them. So it pretty much requires us to walk to the complete opposite side of the stadium in order to go into the same gate where the student section is. That walk felt like it was miles long, too, (laughs) after after you've been drinking all day and it's like 100 degrees outside. I was dying. Yeah, even though the game is later, it's still hot. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't want you to think that it's like a cold atmosphere. It's still like 100, like 95 degrees. It's not cold. And we've been up in Flagstaff getting used to the colder weather up there. You know, in Flagstaff, it's like in the 70s. It's really nice. Yeah. And so we're walking around the stadium to get to the ASU student section. And Tom Smith, who is just wiped off his his guy is fucking hammered like hammered starts flipping out he's like yelling and and mind you there's asu students asu fans all over the place these motherfuckers man fuck this team just all these (laughs) excellent directed completely at arizona state fans and there's like four of us it's me koenig tom smith and mike reavy it's four of us going in together with like hundreds if not thousands of asu fans around us And Tom is just going berserk. He's like losing his shit, freaking out, yelling and screaming, like looking for a fight. And I'm just, I told Reavy because Reavy has known Tom Smith longer than he's known us. I said, Reavy, you got to reel this guy in. Like you got to, you you know, if people come over to like fight him, I'm not jumping. I'm not getting my ass kicked because of Tom Smith, right? (laughs) Like I'm here, I'm here to have a good time. And hopefully NAU plays well enough that we don't get completely embarrassed. So... Koenig, do you want to do you want to elaborate more on this? Do you want to add to this? Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So we get through the turnstiles miraculously. There's the officers are there, kind of right when you check in, and they're Tom is. I'm telling Tom, and I'm a super lightweight, right? Because I hadn't drank at all, and so all it took was a couple beers in me, and I was like a rocket ship. I just took <laughs> off, and and my drunk ass is trying to tell Tom Smith, dude, you need to like relax. Like this cop is gonna take one look at you, and your ass is gonna be gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's a miracle he got in. The a fact miracle. that he got past that officer, I'll never know. But we get in, we're walking by, there's a couple of vendors or everything, and you kind of turn the corner, and then right there kind of in the corner of the end zone is those three sections of ASU fans. 
And yeah, and we're walking directly past him. And I'm kind of a showman, I like to think. And I'm just like playfully like egging them on, puffing my shirt out that has NAU on it and kind of like dancing a little bit in front of them. Like just kind of like hamming it up, right? Like just, again, there's no expectation that we're going to win this game. So I'm just trying to have as much fun as I can, right? Just, Just building these memories, right? So... Of course, ASU fans don't take kind to it. They think I'm some dickhead, which, you know, I, I can see bit. it, whatever. Yeah. If, if I was on their end and I saw me, I would have been like, oh, that guy's a dick. So they're like mouthing off and here comes Tom Smith again, like the fucking firecracker. <laughs> oh, man, let's fucking take these guys out. I'm like, Tom, there's literally <laughs> thousands of them and four of us. And Tom Smith is this little shrimpy, like Indian dude who... I mean, unless he knows some fighting skills, this guy would not bode well against most people in a fight, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. So we get out of that situation. We get away from them as quickly as we can. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, like, I hope Tom is not going to be like a problem during the game. Right. Like, I hope he's not going to like start fights in our seat. So we were actually sitting on the complete opposite side of the student section. So we went out of our way to walk past them, but then we had to walk back to the opposite side of the stadium where our seats were made sense at the time. Yeah. And again, we get into this game way, way early. So it's still like 45, 50 minutes before kickoff. So we're at our seats and we're watching warmups. Like this special teams is out there kicking field goals and punting and all that jazz. And we're standing on our seats at, at Sun Devil Stadium. It's all bent. At the time, it was all bench seating. So it was just these big, long silver benches that you would just obviously sit on. But while we were watching the warmups, we were standing on them, just kind of like looking over because there's really nobody around us because we're an hour early to ASU NAU. <laughs> I mean, ASU fans don't give a shit about the NAU game. I mean, it's they know they're going to win. So half the stadium shows up for that game. And we're standing there, we're looking around. Koenig, do you want to kind of go into the details of what happens from here? So I'm in the row in front of Corbin, and I'm kind of, I think I might have even been in the row myself, and I'm just kind of checking it out, taking in the vibe, probably snapping a couple photos on my phone, and I hear the loudest thud from behind me, and I thought, oh, maybe a punter shanked a ball into the seats. It made that kind of sound. If you've ever been to a baseball game where there's metal bleachers in the outfield and some dude just crushes a dinger into the bleachers and it makes that thud when it hits the metal bleachers, that is the sound that came from behind me. Tom Smith, literally, if you've ever seen a tree get chopped down, (laughs) he just fell straight forward like a plank. He was frozen solid in a standing position, fell forward completely, didn't put his arms out in front of him. He was so hammered. He essentially passed out while he was standing up and fell completely forward and just face planted into the bench seats in front of us. Just full on, like, bam, just smashed and busted his head open. And there was no uh, bracing for impact either. He didn't put his hands out or anything. His face caught the fall. Yeah, he, he slams down, and my first reaction is like, oh my god, this idiot, Tom, we're going to have to take him to the hospital, because he's going to need stitches. He gets up, he's bloodied. Not so bad, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was, but he's still cut up, and we got people coming over to us, fans that were around the area, oh, is, is he okay, is he okay? And 
we got Reevy over here who knows Tom the best. Oh yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He just had a little <laughs> bit to drink and he had to have had a concussion. I mean, there's no doubt that he had a concussion. So he face plants and bombs. We pick his ass up and he's like, Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh huh. <laughs> and the whole game, we're like making sure that he's staying awake and not dozing off and sitting up straight and just being active I mean, he really didn't react during the game because he was so hammered that by the time the game ended, that was kind of when he was starting to sober up again. Yeah. So, so yeah, so he has this huge face plant bomb where he cuts himself up. We had to go to the bathroom to get some paper towels to, like, put pressure on his head so that he wouldn't bleed all over himself. <laughs> and, of course, NAU loses. I, don't, I can't remember what the score was, but we, but we lose, to be expected. And... The expectation is that so we're with a group of people. Half the people are over 21 and half the people aren't. And so the people who are over 21 are like, well, let's go out to Mill Avenue and let's fucking have a good time. Right. So people like Reevee and Tom Smith and Adam McFarlane go out to Mill for the night. So they go out. They're all drinking. They're partying and whatnot. And can you want to kind of take over the story from here? Yeah. So Corbin and I, you know, we're kind of stewing in the hotel room, just, you know, analyzing every aspect of the game that's what we do so we're sitting in the hotel we're having a couple drinks and here comes the three bozos that were just downtown and and so they start stumbling back into the hotel i don't i don't even remember what time it was it had to have been like 11 30 or midnight oh no i think it was later than that uh, i'm pretty sure they were out until like two or three in the morning oh until we just, closing, we, yeah. We, we, yeah we just happened to just still be up and so you know they come back in and they're you know drunk off their ass of course and we're just kind of like how's mill you know just yucking it up and tom is going into the cooler he's going for seconds you know he or probably fourth or fifth to be honest (laughs) you have to imagine that tom was drinking big time at the bars oh yeah at the time you couldn't buy alcohol inside of a college football stadium so yes he was hammered inside the game but he couldn't drink any until he got out so you have to think that he sobered up a little bit Right. And so we're kind of just social drinking back at the hotel. We're digging into the igloo, having some drinks. And next thing you know, Tom passes out on the little sofa chair in the hotel room. He has a Coors Light in his left hand. And he is just passed out, out for the count. Just he's breathing, but that's all we could know for sure. But he's got like perfect posture and he's sitting up straight. His feet are on the ground, both feet on the ground. He's got both arms on the armrest. Like Koenig mentioned, he's got a Coors Light in one hand and he just passes out sitting straight up. I mean, if you didn't know any better, you'd think he was awake sitting there. Yeah, we didn't even know Tom was asleep. We were just chatting and we look over because he hadn't changed his posture or started slumping or anything like that. And we look over at him and he's just like out for the count. So whatever, you know, we go to bed, we wake up in the morning as we're trying to, you know, check out and go back to Flagstaff. And Tom is in the exact same position in the chair that we left him in, sitting straight up. He's got his cores in his hand. He didn't spill it. It didn't fall out of his hand. And we say, hey, Tom, we got to go. And Tom goes, huh? And we're, <laughs> we're like, Tom, like, it's time to check out. It's like 10 o'clock. We got to go. And he's like, oh. And he looks at his hand. And he goes, oh, hey. And he finishes the Coors Light that was still <laughs> full. <laughs> so he continues to drink and finish instantly. Put it down like nobody's problem. This warm, stale beer that's been sitting in his hand for, 
I don't know, six or seven hours while he's passed out <laughs> sleeping on this couch. Just like nobody's business. Like, oh, yeah, I, I got to finish this. Like, just drinks it like a fucking animal. Oh, my God. Well, and then there was that time. Do you remember the time we went on the road trip to Tucson to watch us play U of A in basketball? Oh, my God. This Our- one is this one is worse than the first story. If you enjoyed the first story, this is going to be your cup of tea. So we're caravanning down. And at this point, Corbin and I have been friends for a couple of years now. You know, we're I think it's our junior year. We're juniors. Yeah, juniors. Yeah. And so uh, he's in his front seat driving. Corbin was typically the driver on these road trips, you know, and we'll we might not get to it in today's episode. But, you know, we'll go in later episodes. We'll dive into when we went to Ogden 10-hour car ride, and when we went to Greeley, Colorado, another like 10, 11, 12-hour car ride. But Corbin was driving. We are on the way down to Tucson, and Tom Smith is in the backseat of the car. and With Mike Reavy next with, to him. With Mike Reavy next to him, yeah. And Tom goes, we need to stop. And Corbin's like, no, dude, we're not going to make the game if we stop. We're not stopping. And Tom's like... So- yeah, go ahead. So just so just to step in, the reason why we couldn't stop is we were actually delayed by a snowstorm in Flagstaff. It took us like an extra hour than we had expected to get out of Flagstaff. So we were cutting it close just to make tip off. So we're getting down close to the Tucson area to obviously go to the game. And like Koenig mentioned, Koenig, I'll let you pick back up on the story. Yeah, and so he's Tom's in the back seat, like moaning and stuff, and he's like, "Ah!" And we're like, "Tom, what?" He's like, "I gotta pee." And we're like, "The fuck you do, dude? Like, no way, we're not stopping." No, he's like, "Can't you just pull off to the side of the road and let me do it here on the side of the freeway?" We're like, "Dude, no, we got stuck in this snowstorm. We're not gonna miss the opening tip because you had too much to drink and now you can't hold it in." And so. Was it Reavy who's like, hey, can't you just go in a bottle? <laughs> well, no, no, no. Tom was like, well, if you're not going to let me, if you're not going to pull over to go to the bathroom, I'm going to have to piss in one of these bottles. And like kind of jokingly, I was like, go ahead and do it. Not thinking that he would do it. I should have known better after the first <laughs> incident that he would do something like this. So to kind of rewind just a tad bit, not the smartest decision, because this dude was literally drinking a 12 pack of Coors Light in the backseat of my car the entire time we're driving down. So this guy has probably put down like seven, eight, nine beers by himself, <laughs> which again, open container, not the smartest thing in the world. Like we would have all been fucked if we would have gotten pulled over. Yeah. So he, uh, he says, Oh, we're going to piss in a bottle. I have to go to the bathroom. So bad. I'm going to piss in a bottle. And I'm like, go ahead, go for it again. Not thinking he's going to do it. Koenig. Yeah. But then he does. We're sitting in the front seat and and Tom is like giggling his ass off. And we're like, what the what is he doing? But we don't want to turn around. Corbin, especially he's driving, but I'm in the passenger seat, just like staring at the windshield like, please, God, let this drive be over. Because I mean, (laughs) the drive from Flagstaff to Tucson is not exactly the most enjoyable drive in the world. Yeah, it's like three and a half hours. And, you know, driving from Phoenix to Flagstaff, after you do it so many times, it's pretty mind numbing. And then to extend it by going to Tucson also sucks. Yeah. But to jump into that story a little bit, Reavy like alerts us that, like, oh, guys, like, he's actually doing it. He's pissing in the bottle. And, and he's back I'm there, like, like <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's back there giggling to himself. And you can hear, like, the trickle of his piss as he's pissing into this bottle. And so. <laughs> He takes a whiz, 
into this bottle and we're we're all already just like god damn it tom like <laughs> jesus christ like you're a full-on like adult man and you can't control yourself like ever it seems like and so he goes well what do i do with the bottle and we're like you need to fucking hold on to it he's like what but it stinks. It, yeah, dude, it stinks. It's fucking urine. It's piss. Like, of course it stinks. Oh, I can't. I can't hold it back here. And then Reeves chiming in. Oh man, like he's got to get rid of it. I can't. I, I can't deal with this. Pulled over and let him dump this out. And I'm like, I'm not pulling over. We're fucking. <laughs> we're gonna just barely make it as it is. So I don't even know if he asked for permission or if he just went ahead and did it. Oh, but he just did go it. ahead and. Yeah, can you go ahead and enlighten us on the next part of the story? Yeah, so Tom is moaning and groaning back there over the smell of his own urine. And he's like, oh, it stinks. I got to get rid of it. And Corbin's like, no, just hang on to it. We'll throw it away when we get to U of A. And he's like, no, I can't. And so we're driving like, I don't know, probably 70, 75 miles an hour down the highway at least. And oh, he's hauling it. Yeah, and he rolls down the window. And I don't know if he tossed the whole bottle out the window. I think he did. No, he didn't toss it. He held the bottle as it was pouring out. So yeah, he, literally, yeah, yeah. he literally held his arm out the window, holding the bottle, pouring out his piss out of the <laughs> bottle. And keep in mind, there's cars behind us where you have to imagine that this liquid is flying back and hitting their <laughs> windshield. So there's Tom Smith's piss getting <laughs> getting poured out of the windshield as it's going back and hitting other cars. And the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, Oh my God, please. If there's a God or anything, like don't let there be any cop nearby. Like just let us, just, just let us get to the stadium, please. This is, Oh man, it was so brutal. I'm pretty certain that it was, we got to the game and Tom was all his Tom self fucking, trying to start shit with away fans while we're at their home arena. Yeah. And I, I think he had like passed out for like some of the game and like woke up. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a reoccurring theme that Tom would get drunk, cause a scene, pass out and then wake up and just carry on. Yeah. And there was one point in the game. I really remember this. I think I even have a photo of this on my Facebook. NAU is playing against U of A, which back in those days, U of A has fallen off a little bit in recent years, but back in those days, U of A was like a top 10 program consistently all the time. Oh, yeah. It was either the last season of Lute Olsen, it was right after he retired. But right. but even then, they were still, they were an elite program, no doubt. Yeah, and RIP to Lute Olsen, by the way. Um, yeah, tough story. He had passed away yesterday, I think it was. Yep. I'm born and raised an Arizona State fan. And I'll always support Arizona State as far as over U of A. But I do have to admit that Lute Olson is one of the greatest college coaches of all time. And you have to give respect where respect is due. It's really sad to, to see somebody like that who was so influential at that university to pass away. So for the U of A community out there, even though I hate your guts, I it's an unfortunate situation and my heart goes out to you. Yeah, ditto from me as well. Never cared for U of A, but obviously you never want to see a program go through like that. Uh, a legendary coach that Lute Olson was and is. So thoughts go out to the U of A community. I know they're going through probably hard time dealing with that. So uh, shout outs to you guys. But uh, at that time in the game, it's halftime and NAU is down by four points. <laughs> 
I think the halftime score was 39 to 35 or something like that. Which is miraculous. We were like, at that point, we actually thought we were going to win or we had a chance to win. We're like, well, you know, we hit a couple threes and we got the lead. And that's how it was too. Like Corbin and I being the analytical people that we are, we were kind of like raising our eyebrows, like back at each other, like... You see what I'm seeing? And, you know, the whole time at halftime, we're like, this is what we got to do. We got to we gotta play like a 3-2 zone because they're killing us on the perimeter. And we're just analyzing the shit out of everything. And I think Juve ended up beating us by like 15 points or something like that. They didn't crush us, but they, they definitely pulled away to, to win comfortably. One thing that I will add, and maybe it was just the game that we went to because it was winter break and there weren't a whole lot of students there. There were a lot of old people at that game yeah i remember looking around the stadium and it was like the average age of the people who went to these u of a games was like 60 yeah i mean and i don't mean to like call out old people because you know that's that's messed up but it was just weird like i go to asu games and you just see people of all ages and we went to this u of a game and it was just all these old couples that were in their like u of a sweatshirts and it was just a weird dynamic, man. I don't know. Like, Kenny, did you pick up on that when we were there? I totally did. It felt like an AARP meeting. It's like a bunch of like 60 plus year olds in like a red sweater vest and, you know, like retired types that retired to Tucson because it's always sunny in Tucson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cre- credit to them. The game was sold out yep. from what I could tell. So, you know, I'm not trying to knock them for being old it was just it was just weird i had never been to like a sporting event where 80 90 percent of the crowd was like over 60 years old it was odd yeah very it, odd. it was it was super bizarre to not have anybody even remotely close to our age was just super weird but that's kind of like our experience with tom smith and this episode was kind of like a teaser we'll probably have a bunch more stories from our time as undergrads coming out as we go into future episodes of the show Obviously, you know, we hope to kind of get back into the sports news next week. I think we'll really start to pick up into the NFL because the NFL will be kicking off in a couple of weeks. So we'll probably want to get into that next week. But, you know, periodically throughout, you'll kind of get a story here and there from our experience at NAU. And you'll kind of start to put the pieces together on how Corbin and I became to be so involved as sports fans and as friends and, and how that kind of turned into, you know, this whole situation that we have today. And I do want to tease real quick before we move on to our our last segment that going on in the future, there are better stories to come. There are stories where I was the mascot at NAU, and there were stories yes. where I tried to fight mascots at other schools. Yes. So if you guys enjoyed this, be sure to let us know via email. Koenig, do you want to drop the email for everybody? Yeah, it's slightly sideways pod at gmail.com. And shout out to the listener who sent us the email uh, suggesting the segment for tonight's show. If you have any future suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email. Hey, we think it'd be real fun if you guys discussed this. Or hey, you know, I think it might be a fun idea if you had this segment. We're always appreciative of the feedback that you give us. And it helps make the show uh, enjoyable for us and hopefully for you guys at home as well. Here, here. So we do want to go into our last segment of the show. This is everyone's favorite segment. This is the unknown. The known. The unknown. The unknown. And this week, I am back in charge. It was a interesting Where Are They Now NBA segment. If you haven't seen that, it's on demand on Spotify. You can find it there. Episode 5. 
Corbin kind of put me through the ringer trying to identify some NBA talent that has fallen out of the spotlight a little bit. I, I will say that looking back on it, that was really tough. And I, I kind of put you over the bar, if you will, as far as expectations. But I still think it was entertaining and you were a good sport about it. So I appreciate, I appreciate you. Yes. Excellent. So I do have on this week's unknown, we kind of have a who are you segment. And there are a few rules that I've concocted for this segment on this week's show. And I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun putting this together. So I hope you guys all enjoy this. So I'm I'm worried because I know that he struggled last week. So I know he put in the time and effort to make this really fucking difficult for me this week. So I can only imagine what he scraped together. So the rules are very simple. I have five players and I'm going to give Corbin one clue at a time. I'm going to start with the most obscure reference. And if he can name the player based off of that reference, he will get three points. If he wants to move on and get an additional hint and he gets it right after the second hint, he'll get two points. And if he gets all three hints before he can guess the player correctly, he only gets one point. Now, is this a player in any sport? Yes. And I actually have a conglomeration of several sports here for you. But the stipulation that I want to add to this is I don't want him to get rewarded for guessing so if you guess an answer and you're wrong you get zero points for that player okay yeah so so if you give me one clue and i guess and i guess it wrong you don't get to give me the other clues nope you just get the zero and so the key is you don't want to guess until you know who it is fair and, enough and okay. so i feel like most of these players i feel like the second clue really gives it away and so i'm willing to say if he gets 10 out of the 15 possible points, uh, we'll both drink. If he gets more than 10 points, I'll do a shot. And if he gets less than 10 points, he'll do a, a shot or a beer. What do you say to that, Corbin? That's pretty tough. So you're pretty much telling me that you think I'm going to get it on the second clue for every answer. I think so. <sighs> I do. Trust me, dude. It's You'll be okay, I think. How, how about this? I'll... Nine points. How about so we just I, see how it goes? <laughs> so, okay, so explain explain the system again. If I get over 10, you sh- you take a shot. If we get 10 exactly, we both take a shot. Yeah. So you're pretty much forcing me to have to guess after one clue on one of them in order okay, to beat okay, you okay, on okay, this. Okay, fine. <laughs> then, then we'll do... Then, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. We'll do nine points. You okay. have to get more than nine. If we If you get nine exactly, we'll both drink. Okay, so if I get That's 10 fair. or higher, it's you drink. If we get 9, it's, it's, a, it's a split. And then if I get 8 or lower, then I'm fucked. Yes. Okay, I'll take that bet. Okay, this is a Who Are You unknown segment today. So we'll start with your first Who Are You player. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Hint number one. This is worth three points. This Major League pitcher... Set the league record for walks, amassing 2,795 walks over the course of his career. I, I need clue number two. All right. <laughs> clue number two, worth two points. This player got his first shot in the big leagues as a member of the New York Mets 
and at the time of his promotion to the big league club, he was the second youngest player in the league. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> oh, my God. Okay, so the first, the first clue was that this player has the major league record for most walks in a career. And the second clue is that he got his first start with the Mets. Most walks. Jesus, that could be like every single Mets pitcher. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to take the third clue here. Okay. This, this one, I think, will give it away. This is how typically all of them are. If you don't get it by the third clue that I try to throw you a bone. <laughs> then you're a dumbass. Well, no. So clue number three worth one point. This player holds the record for career strikeouts with 5,714, which is 839 oh. more than the guy in second place. Oh, it's, it's Nolan Ryan. Is that your final answer? Yes, for sure. Nolan Ryan is correct. Damn, I didn't know that he I, I didn't know he had the record for walks. That's good to know. Well, he is one of those guys who's always throwing at like 100 plus miles an hour, but he didn't really throw it for strikes very well, apparently. Hmm. So okay, so I got go. one. I got one point with a potential of well, I got twelve potential 12? points on the board. Yeah. Still, you still got plenty of time to make it up. I think some so of I these can... you might get after the first clue, even. So the max I can get right now is thirteen. Yes. Okay. All right. Are you ready for player number two? Yes. Okay. Clue number one. This is worth three points. This player is the only player to ever win the NFL MVP. Three consecutive years. Oof. I have an inkling, but I don't want to guess and guess wrong, so I want my second clue. Okay. The second clue worth two points. This player's 297 consecutive starts is the longest streak in league history. Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, Jesus, I'm screwed. I'm going to have to like run the table here because I was thinking, I mean, it's got to be a quarterback. So the first clue again was they've got, they were three consecutive MVPs, right? The only player to ever win three MVP awards in a row. Okay. And then they have the record for most consecutive starts, which is 297. Yes. Jesus. Um... My, oh God, okay. Well, I'm gonna have to guess on this because I can't afford to take another point. I'm gonna have to get at least two here. My gut is Peyton Manning. I don't feel like he got injured a whole lot when he played for the Colts. I, th I feel like he played continuously. There was the year that Brady had the injury that Matt Castle had to take over for him, so I don't think he has 297. I remember Eli Manning having a really long streak, but there's no way in hell that he won three league MVPs. In a row. <laughs> yeah. I know that Drew Brees has had a long streak, but again, I don't think he's had three MVPs in a row. I, I feel like Peyton Manning has to be... This is NFL, right? Like, yeah. Did you hint at it? Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I said NFL MVP, so... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're going to do like some Le smooth editing. It's like the LeBron James. That's, my, that's not my guess. That's not yeah, my yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that has to be 
the correct answer. I'm going to say Peyton Manning is going to be my guess. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. The correct answer we were looking for is Brett Favre. (laughs) Fuck. What was the third clue on that one? The third clue is this quarterback was the first to pass for 500 touchdowns, throw for 70,000 yards, complete 6,000 passes, and attempt 10,000 passes. I would have known it on that third clue, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But... Fuck. Okay, so I got so <laughs> let me just do the math here and see. So I pretty okay, so I've got one point with three people left. Yeah. And and I need to get nine just to tie. Yes. Oh, I, I might I might lower uh, uh, you're struggling with these a little bit more than I thought you would. So I might be open to lowering the threshold here. Well, let's see where we're at after this next question. Okay. So yeah, let's go from there. Okay. So Player number three, who are you? This is worth three points if you can get it off this clue. This NBA retiree is a partial owner of the MLS Major League Soccer Club Vancouver Whitecaps. Ooh, I think I know this answer. I think I might just go for it. I'm going to go for it. Steve Nash, final answer. It is Steve Nash. Excellent. All right. The only, uh, I mean, obviously Steve Nash is from Canada and he's always been outspoken about how he's a big fan of soccer or football for everybody else in the world. I'm very impressed that you got that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he played in Phoenix for forever, so I always knew that he was way into soccer and I knew that he was a, I knew he was an owner somewhere. I didn't know that he was a majority owner or minority owner, but yeah. Okay, so so I've got four points total with a potential to get six. Right, so you're still doing okay. Ooh, so I gotta you, guess. I gotta guess on the first clue for both of these to to have you drink. Yeah. So the the other two clues for everybody at home. Uh, the second clue was this player was a two time West Coast Conference Player of the Year and led his team oh. to an upset victory over number two seed U of A in the '93 NCAA tournament. I would have for sure known that. I yeah. Mean, he won two two MVPs in a row with the Suns. It should have been three. The third year they gave it to Dirk Nowitzki, which was kind of bullshit. And then, yeah, Santa Clara, 15 seed over U of A. Yep. I, I would have known that for sure. And then the last one to just kind of kick it to you is this player is Santa Clara University's all-time leader in assists. The yeah, great Steve no, Nash. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for player number four? Yes. So just to be sure here... I essentially need to run the table and guess on the first clue for me not to drink, and I can afford to give an extra hint to get to nine, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right, all right. I just want to make sure I have this right. So, okay, go ahead. I'm ready. Okay, your next who are you player, this first hint, if you get it right, is worth three points. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. This former ACC football star batted 304 and led the National League with 14 triples during the 1992 season. Oh, I I know this one. So just to make sure I understand the question, you said a former ACC football star led the National League and and you said it was 92? 1992. Okay. Well, in my mind, it could have only been either Bo Jackson, who played for the Royals, which... 
they're not in the National League, and I'm pretty certain he didn't play in 1992. Or, yeah, boy, Deion Sanders, who played for, the, I believe, the Braves and the Falcons. So he played for both Atlanta teams so he could play both sports at, at the same time. So I think it has to be Deion Sanders, final answer. Deion Sanders is correct. That's what I'm talking about. Very boy. nice. Very impressed. <laughs> So I'm sitting at seven going into the final question. So if I if I guess on the first answer and get it right, you owe a shot or a drink. And if I get it on the second clue, we both owe a drink. And if I if I miss it or if I wait till the first clue, then I owe a drink. Correct. Correct. Oh damn. Okay, this is coming down to the nitty gritty. So, so the, the final I, two the final two hints for everybody at home. Uh, the next one would have been this player is the only athlete ever to hit a home run and score a touchdown in the same week. And then the third hint is this NFL Hall of Famer is the only player to ever play in both a Super Bowl and a World Series in his career. The great Deion Sanders. Hell yeah. So I honestly think that the first clue is the easiest because you told me the conference, which eliminated the Bo Jackson and eliminate. I mean, 1992 too. Like I think Bo Jackson was like in the eighties. Maybe yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So the 1992 was, I was like, okay, that that's a Deion Sanders for sure. All right. Are you ready for your last? Who are you player? Yes. Oh, okay. So yes, I'm ready. It's going to be a fucking hockey related. I already know because you've already asked me other sports. <laughs> Question one, worth a possible three points. This NHL player is the only player at his position to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, which is the Stanley Cup Playoffs MVP, three times in his career. So I'm not, I'm just thinking out loud, so I'm not guessing, so I'm not, don't, don't think that I'm guessing here. My obvious answer, which I do not believe is correct is obviously Wayne Gretzky because he won so many Stanley Cups and you just have to assume that he won the Conn Smythe a lot of times. Read the question one more time if you could. This National Hockey League player is the only player at his position to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, the Stanley Cup Playoff MVP, three times in his career. Or three points if you get it right. Okay, so now that you said it again, so you said at his position... So, let's see here. Now I'm thinking... I'm thinking that it's maybe a goaltender. And I'm thinking, like, Patrick Waugh. Because I th- I'm almost certain that he won it twice. Potentially a third time. I kind of want to guess, just to have somebody lose and somebody win... But I also don't want to take a shot right now. <sighs> well, if you get it right on the next clue, then we can both shot. Then I have to drink anyways. So it's it's uh, either I guess either I guess now. I mean, I don't care if you drink. Like, I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm not trying to stall here. And you can see, like, so just so people at home know, I. Kanye can see me on screen. My hands are in the air. I'm not looking anything up. I'm not trying to stall to look anything up. Yeah, he's not cheating. So it was this player at his position is the only person to win the Conn Smythe Trophy three times. Yep. 
And the Conn Smythe is the is the MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The whole or, playoffs, yeah. Oh, son of a bitch. For some reason I associated that with like just just the Stanley Cup matchup, not the entire play. Usually it's okay. Don't pay mind to me. I'm gonna fucking go for it. I'm gonna say Patrick Waugh. I'm going with my gut. I'm gonna say Patrick Waugh. Final answer, locked in. It is Patrick Waugh. Yes! Oh, I get, I get <laughs> owned in this segment every week. Oh, holy shit. If you guys are Team Koenig, can you give me like <laughs> a shout out on Twitter or something? When you said, so the thing that gave it away, I'm glad that you read it a second time because you said at his position. And for some reason, I thought to myself, there's got to be like multiple, like like two, three times winners as a wing or, you know, whatever, a, a defenseman. When you said that, I assumed goalie and I knew for certain that Patrick Waugh had won it twice. I was pretty confident that he had won it a third time. So, woo! <laughs> All right, so Koenig is going to the cabinet. This is like a regular trip for Koenig. So when he puts in his PTO at work, he doesn't put it in for, you know, to go on a vacation. He puts it in to go to his cabinet because he has to go to his cabinet so often to get these oh. shots ready. <laughs> I honestly should just have the bottle ready next week because I know I'm going to lose. <laughs> so that was pretty damn impressive. So I got the first question for one point, and then I missed the second question, and then I ran the table I got nine points in the last three to get 10 to put it over the mark for Koenig to have to do the shot and not me. Uh, what, so what were the other two clues of the Patrick Waugh, just for curiosity? Yeah, so the second clue for Patrick Waugh would have been, in 2004, this player was selected by various writers as the greatest goaltender in NHL history. I would have gotten it there. And then what was the third clue? This player began his career as a member of the Montreal Canadiens before ending his Hall of Fame career with the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, yeah, that would have been a slam dunk. Yeah, he actually so he left Montreal. He actually got lit up in a game, a game where his coach did not take him out. And I think the coach left him in there to give up like seven or eight goals. And finally, the coach pulls him in the third period. And as he's coming off the ice he says to he goes to his owner or his gm who's sitting like front row and he leans over and he says this is the last game i'll ever play in montreal and then like days later they traded him to colorado i've got my debt to be paid here on my end so i'll uh i'll take this in in acknowledgement of corbin's success on the unknown for the sixth (laughs) time in a row Man, I'll admit, I was I was scared that I was going to be bone there, and I was confident about the Steve Nash, and I was confident about the Deion Sanders, the Patrick Waugh. I felt decent about, but that was more or less a shot in the dark. So that was that one lucked out for sure. I was actually impressed that you got the Steve Nash one right off the rat. I thought for sure a lot of these clues you would need at least another clue, but you know. Your credit, you got them square away, so. Hell yeah. It's not how you start, people. It's how you finish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Corbin will be in charge of the unknown next week. We'll see what kind of diabolical situation I have to go through that week. But that's all we have for you on today's episode. We do hope that you enjoyed the stories that we had from our undergraduate career. Again, kind of a slow week in sports or some other things that are going on right now that players are involved in. 
but we will have more news coming to you next week. We will have a, a football preview. We haven't really talked much about NFL at all. The NFL is going to be kicking off here shortly. Hopefully we'll be able to wrap up the first round of the NBA playoffs. We'll have some hockey coverage. And as always, I'm sure we'll have some MLB coverage. We hope that you enjoyed the show today. If you're not already, follow us on Twitter at Slightly Sideway. We'll get a notification every time our show is uploaded to Spotify on Sunday nights. If you're not already following us on Facebook, you can follow us at Slightly Sideways Podcast. You can email the show. Any ideas? Again, shout out to the person who emailed us the idea to go over our past stories. We had a lot of fun doing that. If you have any other feedback or ideas for future episodes, you can email those to slightlysidewayspod at gmail.com. And if you're not already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe at Slightly Sideways Podcast. Turn that bell on for all notifications so you don't miss a single upload. I've been Koenig, your host, joined as always by my co-host, Corbin. Say goodnight to the people, Corbin. To all my speeds out there and the cane dog, I hope you have a good morning and a great day. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>